on that one, I think it's something we're going to have to really see what if he holds true to this. And uh, I think I've always been of the view that I think we do need a proper calculation of what we mean by a bloated civil service. Because I think there were rumors that maybe if he had thought about it, he was kind of persuaded off by the unions. I think what is needed is actually to look at what type of uh, public sector do we need. I think the bigger question is to ask that question, what type of public sector do we need? Because if you look at the reports, especially in 19 for the Auditor General as it relates to local government, we have a public sector which is really not geared up towards the challenges of employment creation, also sometimes working with the private sector. So in as much as he has said this, I think the bigger question is to ask going forward, will he be able to shape the type of public sector we need? And I think that's the bigger question rather than than actually just looking to simply cut, because I think sometimes that's a bit of lazy analysis just to say he needed to cut. But is that even realistic? Because as we know that the SABC ourselves here want to cut about 800 jobs and there's other uh, public sector institutions uh, where there probably will be some retrenchments. That's going to be the bigger question, but I think the key thing would be, and I think as you rightfully put it, is what's going to happen post the elections? If you feel that it's got a strong mandate, maybe you'll go back on this and say, listen, I ideally did say I don't want to cut, but it looks like the numbers and the finances are saying I must cut. And I think that that's the bigger thing, is at the moment we're dealing with a president who doesn't quite have the full backing of his own government and his party. So he's just, I think, for now, maybe appeasing people. But as you know, when it comes to crunch time, what tends to happen is that politicians have no problems going back on their word. The job summit has identified buying local, rather, increasing exports and finance and funding in the agricultural sector, which is one of the key ones, and some of the key other areas that can help in creation of these jobs. Now, we need a number of jobs, and the, the president uh, talked about 275 extra jobs or the creation of those extra jobs a year. Is that a realistic target, you think? I think it's a, it's a doable if government works at an optimum level, but it's actually a minimum level because if we look at the fact that we've got close to 10 million people that are unemployed and about 50% of them are, are people in who are termed as being youth, I don't think that number on a year-on-year basis is really enough to really cut into the 10 million of unemployed people we have. So I think what we would have wanted is a bigger commitment to, be, to actually be able to say, listen, what is going to change going forward into the next year? And to simply put it up to cap the number 250 is, look, if it happens, with, I think everybody would be happy, but I don't think it's enough to cut into the 10 million of people that we have that are unemployed. All social partners have committed themselves to concrete steps to avoid retrenchments and support the struggling companies that we have in South Africa. We have seen this also with SAA and SABC. Uh, shall we still prop up companies, for instance, like the South African uh, Airways, who is losing millions on, a, on an annual basis? I think this is where uh, I've always liked this discussion, where people actually look at the issue of SOEs and, all, and think it's just a simply of retrenchment. If you look at what happened in the early 90s when the gear came into being, a lot of retrenchments actually happened within state-owned entities that actually didn't solve any of the problems of how they actually work. The key issue when it comes to state-owned entities, not so much the employees at the bottom, it's actually the bloated executive and the fact that they've got poor leadership. Uh, I was looking at, the, if you look at the SA Airways reports, especially the financial reports over the last five years, if you look at how much money has actually been put in to employee development vis-a-vis what's actually been put into management, you'll actually find that there's a, there's, a, there's a mismatch when it comes to it. And this actually happens to most state-owned entities, where what has happened over the last 20 years is that there's been a, a basically a, a mismatch in terms of where investment is actually going. It's not going into hard infrastructure or in terms of employees below senior management. It's actually going into 
senior management. So the question is not whether these institutions need to be cut at the bottom. The key issue is to say what type of leadership has been running these institutions and can we do without them? My argument has always been if we actually have a smaller management level at state-owned entities and actually have more investment into the hard infrastructure in the same way that we saw in the before 1994 with what the National Party did with the, your, your former ISCO, the Mika, I think we'll be able to get a better return on investment than what we currently be doing. And I think to us that people at the bottom be the ones to be the first ones to be cut. It's actually been a bit disingenuous. Mm. It's actually dodging what the real problem is, which is we've got bloated management in state-owned entities, and most of the people that actually serve in state-owned entities management have no real idea of how these institutions are supposed to be used. Now, the Employment Tax Incentive Scheme, which provides employers with tax breaks for hiring first-time low-paid youth, is also to be extended for another 10 years. Will this not perhaps disadvantage the old employees, particularly those who are contract workers? It will put a... I think a premium on the issues of employment, and when you have put a premium, there's an issue of who do you sacrifice. Now, what I would have liked to have seen with this uh, tax uh, incentive over the last five years is how did it come about, what is the key agreement, and what if people are going to say, listen, I'm against it, what are the reasons for it? And if people say they're for it, we, we can't deny the fact that, look, we need to get youth in there, but what we don't want is a situation where we can't account for where this tax rebate goes. One mm-hmm. of the, I think the biggest arguments about this is, yes, it's one thing to, to give a company a rebate. They hire X amount of you young people, but what are you training them in? And this is where I think public policy has always been put with the South African government, where they're very great at the macro idea, which is, and no one will disagree, we need to get young people into it. But they're not really, as you put it, looking at the issue of saying, what is the trade-off? Are private companies actually going to take advantage, as you said, of saying, listen, it actually makes better sense to hire younger and get rid of older. And if we hire these younger, the public policy doesn't answer the question, how do we monitor the that this young person is not going in there simply serving tea to the executive, but is actually in a department which is influential and is actually learning a skill. So in as much as I am for it in principle, I think what we need is a greater detail, and they should have actually had this detail before they just committed to it. And yes, people who are oldest do need to be a bit worried. But I think the, the bigger question is to ask is, if this really does pan out, are we going to get the skills we need going forward from people that are getting these rebates?